Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Tonight we're talking football, Raging Cajun football with Cody Juno. How are you tonight, Cody? Doing good, my friend. It's a, uh, it's a Wednesday night. I cut the grass and I felt like I barely sweat. I mean, the weather we've had over the last couple of days has just been uh, tremendous. Very, you know, not like the middle of September here. I did mine about 10 o'clock this morning and uh, tomorrow morning I will go out and uh, hopefully get some trees trimmed as much as I can without uh, hurting myself. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Be careful there, old man. So, but no, let's talk. Uh, let's jump in. Uh, Raging Cajun football. Um, kind of a, you know, we've under the under Billy Napier, we started out slow. I mean, but not. I don't remember a game that slow as we started out on Saturday night. Do you remember anything close to that? No, I don't remember anything close to that over. I mean, um, you know, gosh, honestly, Craig, you go back to, I mean, you know, you go back to like the big games against Alabama, right. Um, that, that you can maybe point to, uh, but even in the Cajuns, close that out better you know i go back to probably arkansas state and mark hudspitz last year uh fumble recovery on the, the opening drive uh, arkansas state strip sack and, and, it, and it, the game was over at that point uh it's been a really long time since we've seen a, a first half transpire the way it did but but you know you go back and you and you think about it right and you and you run through what happened eastern michigan comes out in the scripted play right and you heard gerald talk about it on the broadcast we talked all week about them trying to run the ball inside, be more, be the more physical team. Well, they come out empty. They find the soft coverage and they just dink and dunk their way down the field for lack of better terms. And in doing so, they chewed up a lot of clock. Well, then the Cajun offense comes out and unlike the week before at Southeastern where it took the ball, went right down the field and scored, it sputters right off the bat, goes three and out. And now the defense is back on the field. Well, the defense makes a few adjustments except all of a sudden there are yellow hankies, you know, just flying everywhere. Right. And so, you know, when you look at the, the numbers, right. And, and you look and you see, okay, Eastern Michigan finished with 320 yards passing, but they did it on 51 attempts, right. Only 361 yards in total offense. So they weren't running the football, uh, you know, where the Eagles just 41 total yards, um, you know, uh, when you when you look at that right uh, on net gain yards and so it was really the penalties right and that created that very strange first half that eastern michigan wasn't really moving the football and then all of a sudden penalties kept them alive and then the cajun defense would buckle down and get a stop and the cajun offense would come out and do squat again right and so you just kind of played this back and forth where it was just weird because, you know, I mentioned it from, from down on the field. There was nothing to cheer for. It was eerily quiet in Cajun field on Saturday night for a good chunk of that first half. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, after that lightning delay, yeah, Cajuns kind of flipped a switch and boy, was it on from there. Well, you know, you mentioned the lightning delay and, and, and I've heard several people talk about it on the radio. I heard Jay talk about it on Scott's show on uh, Tuesday and uh, but you know we still went two possessions the end we ended the half didn't do anything we started the first possession of the second half and didn't do squat either 
So yep. it was it was really the last seven possessions that we we had anything. But but what happened to your point, right? What happened in between, or I shouldn't say in between, but after those two possessions? Um, so Eastern Michigan goes down and they score quote right before the half, right? Right. And then the Cajuns get the ball back and they go three and out. But then the defense steps up and it makes a play uh, and then and gets the three and out. And then there was a big punt return by Eric Garrard, right? And the Cajuns use that short field position to score. Then the defense goes back out, takeaway, bam. And now all of a sudden, you can really feel it, I think, on the Garrard punt return. Okay, now there's a little bit of juice on the sideline because I'm telling you, it wasn't just in the stands. It was juiceless on the Cajun sideline for much of that first half, and it kind of came out that way. And so that's something this week at Rice where they're going to have to come out, you know, start faster um, and and really, you know, can't allow themselves to play the way they they did in that first half. I mean, I know that's that's captain obvious, but they're going to come have they're going to have to come out, excuse me, and motivate themselves to get to get going. I think I mentioned this, you know, last week. The Juice Crews in Gainesville, okay. But there, it, that's two weeks in a row now. It's it, to me, it's been a very noticeable difference on the Cajun sideline. Uh, having said that, once that spark happened, a punt return and takeaways, well, then we started getting, you know, and having some fun and loosening up down there. And, and you saw life start to come out of the Cajuns. Uh, and then, you know, all of a sudden, that humidity starts leaning on those big boys from EMU. And, you know, there goes the Cajuns reeling off 49 points in the second half. What did you think of Ben Wilwich's performance? 12 for 13, two touchdowns, uh, 55 for the long one. But I'm a, uh, what, what's your thoughts on his play? So as much as I thought the offense responded to Chandler in week one, I thought they responded to Ben in week two, right? Um, and, and just kind of seemed to have a little bit extra pep in their step for whatever reason. Uh, when, when he was in the game, you know, but I thought if you look at what he did, there were a lot of run plays he checked out of and, and would throw the ball backside. So, you know, making checks um, and really getting into the offense and then, you know, getting some big balls out. The one underthrown ball ends up being caught still for the big play, but, you know, that would have been another touchdown. But no, I, I mean, I thought he played uh, about as well as he could play, um, you know, with just those 13 attempts. Absolutely. You, you know, and I think it almost, to me, it almost kind of sparked Chandler Fields. I meant to yeah. look at this beforehand to see how many of his 10 incompletions were before Ben came in. Mm -hmm. Because Chandler ended up with a pretty good night. 10 for 20 is not great, but it's very manageable. And it's three touchdowns. You know, yeah. I, I think we would take that out of a quarterback. And well, no, one, I mean, neither one of them threw interceptions. Well, well, that's just it, right? And the Cajuns through two games are, are plus seven. Again, it, it, it's it's wonderful to have a uh, you know a, a plus five night, right? That really helps the the, the numbers there and, and can skew things through two games. But what to me is most impressive about those five and even the two from the week before, Craig, is their takeaways. Yeah, the Cajuns are making plays. It's not a ball slipping out of somebody's hands untouched. Right. It's not the quarterback throwing and, and the ball coming out of his hand and just flailing backwards. Their takeaways by the defense, getting in there, picking off passes, forcing fumbles. And that is a really encouraging sign 
because I think you and I both believe, right, you, you're not going to get that every week. But to take care of the football on offense, which the Cajuns have been tremendous at, uh, you know, now five years, you know, four plus years in, right? Absolutely. Taking, taking care of the football. And then conversely, when you're taking it away on the other side, whew, you all of a sudden come really hard to beat. And then, oh, by the way, what do we see in that second half too? That defensive line start to get some pressure. You know, Marcus Weiser with two sacks. But those guys starting to come alive, get after the quarterback. And, yes, some of it became much more obvious passing situations. But, again, I think a lot of it was energy that was feeding off of one another. Uh, and to your point, yeah, I think as, as Ben comes out and has a really great night, Chandler says, okay, I, I got to go ahead and handle my business. Um, you know, and then I think on the defensive side, too, it becomes contagious, right? Everybody wants one. Uh, as far as the takeaways go, once you kind of get that first and second one. So uh, an, an incredible second half performance, um, you know, that extended the nation's longest winning streak. You're listening to, we're talking with Craig Malas on tonight, Coney Juno, sideline reporter for, for the Cajuns. Cody, I forgot where I was going with that. I had a question for you. Oh, I know what it was because we were talking about the quarterbacks. After the game, I loved your post-game interview with Coach Dez. But one of the things that I was impressed with him is he talked about both guys, but said emphatically, Chandler Fields is our starter. And it's going to be that way throughout the year, right, unless something drastic happens. Uh, you know, I think the other thing that was very interesting from Monday, Craig, is he drove home that, yes, Chandler, not only is Chandler the guy, but Ben is going to continue to play too. Yes. Uh, this is not something that's going to happen just in a, um, you know, up until conference type deal, right? Up until conference play, then we're going to you know the Cajuns are going to, uh, are going to, are going to run this two quarterback system for the, uh, for this season, uh, you know, as long as, as both guys continue to play well. Uh, and I think they're very similar, but they do enough different things, right? For, from a defensive standpoint, uh, I'll say this: I have we have not seen the quarterbacks run the football. We have not seen that really be a part of the offense through two games. I don't know if that's in the in the pocket, right, to get the quarterback run game going. Um, yeah, at this point, it doesn't really seem like it, but that's that would add another dimension to those games. You know, we talk about the slow start, Craig, and you and I were kind of talking about this. The Cajuns got off to a fast start offensively in week one, but still only had three offensive possessions, right? Because remember, you had the punt return that went for a touchdown. Well, in the first half against Eastern Michigan, technically they had five, but only four of those were what I'm going to deem a real possession because the final possession was after the kickoff, took a knee and went to, to quote, you know, the third quarter. So that's seven drives in the first half. All right. You flip that over to the second half, well, all of a sudden, they go seven uh, or eight real drives against Southeastern, the last one nailed down, so we'll call it seven. Nine drives, eight that I'm going to deem real in the second half. That's 15, quote, real drives. The Cajuns' have, offense has been on the field twice as much in the second half as it has in the first half. It's just really interesting because both games were actually very different in the way those first halves were played, Right. First half against Southeastern, an opportunity to go up 24-0 heading into the break. Didn't get it done. And then Eastern Michigan, you know, no sign of life from the Cajun offense. Uh, and then, you know, at Southeastern didn't do much in the second half. Conversely, we know that the Cajuns exploded on Saturday. But just something interesting that, you know, 
seven to 15, that's a very big imbalance. And, and what it does is it means your defense is on the field, right? Um, uh, the other half of the time. And so I think that's something that the Cajuns, if they can draw it up, right? Obviously, you want to get off the field quickly on defense, sustain some drives on offense. Just really interesting when you start diving into the numbers. And even more interesting to me because of how differently each of the first halves have been in two games. Well, I was going to say, I think that I think the key there is that the offense spends more on the time gives on the field and gives the defense time to rest. Therefore, they're a they're fresher, i.e. able to tee off on a couple people. So um, the, the one thing I found interesting and I had texted you during the game, but um, number two, Usan Badan. Badu. Badu. Okay. I know he was a little motor mouth out there. I mean, he was talking and talking. And I think the Cajuns took him out of the game because they gave him a couple good licks. Yeah. And and uh, I don't know if you notice, but he was originally on kickoff returns and they took him off the kickoff return team. I don't know if he was hurt or what was going on there. But I just felt that part interesting. And I felt on the offensive side, uh, Alex Merritt, number zero, was wrecking havoc on us. And then he went out hurt, and the team really just took off. They didn't have anybody to replace him, in my my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I think when you look at the big reason for the game is, well, I think the Cajuns finally started executing, one. But two, the, the heat definitely became a factor. Uh, and three, yes, the guys from Ypsilanti like to run their mouths. I would almost call them kind of dirty, right? Uh, I think yep. they're, you know, they're, they're very borderline of being a dirty football team. Um, you know, and, and so for the Cajuns to come out of that unscathed and to to keep their composure for the most part, um, I thought was, you know, was very important. Uh, the offensive line, I thought, got better as the, the game went on, clearly, right? Um, and, but it's, it's going to be a situation that's going to have to improve you know, each and every week and, and an opportunity for it to improve this week with Landon Burton coming back, going to add to that rotation, um, you know, at, at that center position for, for the Cajun. So, so that's something to keep an eye on. And then of course you get Trey Amos back uh, as well. Um, defensive front, I thought has been, you know, played much better as the game wore on uh, again, depth issues is going to be something to monitor there all season, Craig, um, you know, as they, um, as they continue to, to get more snaps and we'll see if somebody can step up. But I mean, how about the job of Casey Osai, you know, Chris Moncrief, that star position too, but you know, we talked about on the broadcast, Cortland Flowers, right. His name popping up a whole bunch, Brandon Bishop with the interception, uh, the secondary, you know, I know they got a couple balls deep on, on EG, uh, but the secondary continues to be the strength of this defense and play really, really well. Well, I, I Casey Osai and I, Jane, I talked about it on Monday. I was every time I typed his number in and his name popped up, I kept I kept looking back on the field. Is did I hit did I hit the right number? Did I hit the right number? Because I just he, he was all over the field. And I wasn't sure if if I, I really don't remember his name, I guess, the week before as much. So well, look, it's week two, right? There's still a bunch of new names that they might have been in the program a year or two. We're just not familiar with them yet. Yep. Uh, but as they continue to make plays, again, we talked about this coming into the season. 
there is not talent lacking on this team. Um, and, and so you were going to learn these names as the season progresses. And, and you saw Casey Osai, you know, flash Saturday, same thing with, with Cortland flowers, right. Um, you know, and, and so, uh, Jordan Lawson, I think going back to week one played really well. So it's, you know, new names, Marcus Weiser, we mentioned him too, yep. sacked, right? another new face, um, that we're going to, that we're going to, they're going to become household names by the time the season's uh, over. I agree. And I think uh, people are stepping up and we're seeing um, with all the guys that have left that this, this was a talented and deep team last year. And there are guys that can fill in. And uh, I, I've said it several times that I don't think there is a lack of depth on this team. I think there is a lack of experience on this team. So. Well, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. I do think there are a lack of depth at, at a couple positions. Well, um, the, the offensive but, line does concern me still. Yes. Offensive and defensive lines for me. But uh, I, I think, no, that's very well said that there's a lack of experience uh, in, in some areas and in tons of experience in other areas. Right. And that's why I think that secondary and that wide receiver core kind of figured to be the, the potentially the strengths of the of the ball club. Uh, one thing that we hadn't really touched on, which I think we need to, because uh, I just think that they played great. And the problem is that there's there's three or four of them back there now is the running backs. And, you know, Chris Smith was just was a bull in the tiny china shop on it on his touchdown but but the other two guys 5.6 yards a carry four and a half yards and 4.7 i mean they played well they well the, the yes and, and and what happened too right we talked about it after week one getting terrence williams more touches getting Cabote more touches getting draylon washington more touches and uh you know it went eight eight seven nine uh williams actually had the most touches in, in 31 yards right um you know, but I thought the big backs did what they needed to do, press the hole, run inside, uh, and it opened up some things for Chris. And, yeah, to your point on that touchdown run, he tries to hit it up inside. There's nothing there. He keeps his feet churning, bounces it outside, and then uses that speed to beat everybody at the corner. Uh, and so I thought that, you know, 154 yards uh, gained, 149, you know, positive yards, the net yards there. Uh, I thought the Cajun running game looked much better in week two. And let's see how it looks in week three, right? Because go back to last season. Cajun running game struggled for the first three games. Yeah. And, and the fellows in Mobile decided to open their mouths and it ignited a fire, right? Under that, under that offensive line and under those tailbacks. And it really took off from there. And so, um, I think because of the new pieces on the on the offensive line, it is going to take some time for them to get together. But once they gel and mesh, we'll see that we'll see the, the you know, more of the of the Cajun running game. That's probably familiar to a lot of fans. Yeah, I know. I know uh, Des talked about a couple missed assignments on the offensive line. So that they'll get better as they play along. And that's what they needed was to play together in, in the game. So. I still, I still am. Every time I see Jacob Cabote run, I am impressed. And he did a little juke move there that I thought was was very nice. Uh, he, he, I just don't get me wrong. I, all these cats can play, but man, I, I'm I'm a fan of Cabote. So, all there right. You have it. 
Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk a, a little bit about what the Cajuns need to do against Rice. And uh, we'll talk a little bit too of, of uh, what happened around the Sun Belt last weekend. You've been listening to We're Talking with Craig Malonson, Cajun sideline reporter Cody Juno. We'll be right back after this brief timeout. <laughs> Welcome back into We're Talking Tonight. Craig Malonso and Cody Juno, sideline reporter for the Raging Cajuns. Uh, Cody, uh, what do the Cajuns need to do different um, this week against Rice? Well, what they didn't do a week ago, right? And that's start fast and sustain drives. Build out early, I think. Again, we talked about it kind of in that first segment, Craig. Bring the energy, right? Uh, you know, they're on the road for the first time. There's going to be a good a good amount of red in the stands, probably not a lot of blue. Um, you know, in a, in a bigger, older venue in Rice Stadium, a historic, uh, you know, venue that, uh, you know, last week I thought it was really cool, actually, Rice, because uh, it's the 60th, 60th anniversary of JFK's speech. Um that was held in Rice Stadium, right? When okay. I was talking about putting a man on the moon. Uh, and so they wore some special uniforms to commemorate oh, that, that. Uh, last week against against Bagney. So again, historical place. Uh, look, it's it's a game that four hours away, you know, I don't know that it needs to play, be played yearly, but you need to play it, you know, every two or three years, right? I think it's, I think it's a matchup that probably needs to be played uh, like that. Uh, but so come out, establish dominance. Don't let them hang around. You are the better football team, right? Establish dominance, come out, play strong um, early on, and, and don't give them any hope coming off of, you know, that big win that they had last week against Magnese, right, where they started off, you know, came out the gates kind of strong, um, you know, scoring 31 points in, in the first half in a route to a 52 to 10 victory over the, the Cowboys. Um, so take kind of any doubt away early. And then for the first time this year, let's put four quarters together, right? Let's put four full quarters together. Uh, continue to take care of the football. That's a given anytime you go out there on, on, on the field. Um, and the Cajuns can do that. I, I want to see four quarters and I want to see four quarters of energy uh it's really kind of what you know what i want to see out of out of the cages on saturday i do think we're gonna have a good crowd and uh, i know their baseball team is not very good right now but for baseball we had more fans there than they did and that was two midweek games so uh looking forward to it and the cajuns scored like a football team in those games yes they did uh, just quickly, though, uh, congratulations to KCSI Defensive Player of the Week by the Louisiana Sports Writers Association. So, yes, indeed. You know, I mean, again, it's one of those names that that might, you know, popped up last week. There's a good chance that somebody else could pop up, you know, next week, right? Um, just because of of how of how this. Uh, this team is going to play nine total tackles for Casey, seven of them solo, you know, forced fumble uh, as well. A guy that's right up there at the top in that tackle chart, and he's going to be there every week. I can promise you that. It's Cam Podesco. You know, he was second uh, with six. 
Uh, three tackles for loss, though, coming from Marcus Weiser, uh, two sacks. Uh, and then Andre Jones and Zion Hill Green, each with a sack and a TFL. Again, those guys get going, especially 10 and four, right? We can get those two gentlemen going up front. They're going to uh, create a lot of issues for, for any opponent. Absolutely. Um, I just – I love the way Trey Amos plays, and I'm I'm glad he's going to be back. And I think that just gives us another weapon on defense. And uh, I truly believe he's going to be playing on Sundays come a couple of years from now. Good, so. you know, good good size, good length, good ability. Um, you know, uh, going to be a, a boost back there to an already strong secondary. Yes. No doubt. yes. Well, let's talk about what happened in the Sun Belt last weekend. Anything um, big happen? Well, you know, uh, the Cajuns uh, whooped up on uh, Eastern Michigan. Extended uh, the nation's longest winning streak, and it yeah. did so, um, you know, after reeling off 49 points in the uh, in the second half. I did chuckle um, at, his, at his press availability on Monday. Mike was asked about the weekend. He goes, well, you know, uh, we had the biggest win for me, <laughs> which is the attitude that he, that he most certainly should have. Um, you know, but yeah, a uh, an, an absolute banner of a weekend, and I mean, game day heading to Boone, North Carolina, Craig. That's just cool. It, it's cool. It's, it's awesome. North Carolina, by the way. Did you get to see any of the games? Um, I did not actually. No, because A and M was a mid afternoon kickoff. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So. I can catch, you know, I can catch the 11 o'clock window. I usually try to get out to Cajun Field by about 1.30 or so, 2 o'clock. Uh, so I'll catch the, the 11 a.m. kicks. And then after that, it's just kind of, you know, tracking on the phone, going from tailgate to tailgate, um, you know, seeing what, what's happening. But, no, I did not get to actually watch any of the games. Well, I got to – I watched the – I started watching North Carolina and Georgia State – then North Carolina went out in front pretty big, and I was like, okay. So I switched over to the game I really wanted to watch because we play South Alabama, uh, South Alabama, Central Michigan, yeah. a 30, 38 to 24 score, which uh, uh, South way, Alabama dominated that game. Well, yeah, they had a big lead early and kind of let Central Michigan, you know, um, go back. I'll say this, right? So, yes, and, and rightfully so, App – and uh, Georgia Southern, right, um, you know, getting the headlines and Marshall. and Marshall getting the headlines, right? Absolutely. Pair of top 10 wins and then and in the brand in, in Nebraska. Um, but I would tell you this, Craig, for the Cajuns to handle Eastern Michigan and for um, Central Michigan to go – or excuse me, South Al go on the road at Central Michigan – Right, those those games are not going to get the national attention, and nor should they. But for the Sun Belt Conference to have two face crushing wins over, and I don't even really want to call the Mac a peer opponent, but an, a, an opponent that the Cajuns should handle their business on. Right, South Howe was still a four point underdog going on the road there to um, to Mount Pleasant, and so that, and then a win that is probably as big as there has been for Jake Spavital. And it come against a Conference USA opponent, right? Um, again, a really good week for the Sunbelt Conference. Arkansas State probably kept it. No, they definitely kept it closer than the than the experts, right? You know, thought they would to uh, to steal a line from from Lee Corso there. So, 
you know, all in all, um, and, 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 you know, how about Monroe, um, you know, not sweating with Nichols, right? Georgia Southern or Georgia State, excuse me, unfortunately unable to, to finish off uh, North Carolina. But yeah, I mean, it's just a, a really, really good week, you know, for the Sunbelt Conference as you, um, you know, and that, you can't ask for anything more. Yeah, I, I made it out to our, uh, our RV spot before heading up to the booth. And the uh, the App State we had the App State Texas A and M game on, and uh, or was it? No, it was the Marshall game. Marshall Notre Dame. We finally because I couldn't figure out how to get it at the house. It was just wasn't coming up. I got out there and we were able to get catch that game. And I, I don't pull for I mean pull for other teams like getting excited like I do when the Cajuns are winning, but I can tell you I was pretty damn close if I, I mean with Marshall and beating taking down Notre Dame and to end it on a, an interception and everything uh, I was really pulling for Marshall and, well, and was, here's it, another thing about Marshall of course the Cajuns are going to go there in a couple weeks right yep. uh in a midweek contest Rasheen Ali the excellent tailback who's been out uh for the first two weeks of the season he's now back practicing with the team uh, okay. so that's just the note for Cajun fans there that um, you know, they went into Notre Dame Stadium without arguably their best player and, and came out with a win. Absolutely. Well, Cody, any other words of wisdom that Cajun fans should know, either heading over to Rice or looking at the rest of uh, what might happen in the Sun Belt the rest of the season? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, again, this week for me, I want to see the Cajuns come out with energy. Uh, and, and start fast and, and play four quarters. You know, if you've got the opportunity to get over to Houston, uh, take in a different venue, right? That the Cajuns, I don't know, Craig, you tell me, was the last time Louisiana played at Rice? Um, I was there in 83 when we played, but I don't so remember that, the last I mean, that time. Very well, that very well could be the last time, right? I think um, it was in the 90s. I think I went back in the 90s. Okay, so there you have it. But, you know, again, right down the road. So if you've got the opportunity to get over to Houston, uh, I think you should definitely, you know, take it, take it in this weekend if you can. All right. So we played them in 83, 88 and 89, 89 was at rice. There you so, go. And we played them in 1921 and we lost 54 to nothing. So, <laughs> but you know, sticking on the, on the Sunbelt thread, right. Looking ahead, Texas state and, and Baylor, not going to expect anything. Uh, Coastal Carolina, a 14 point favorite. It shocks me how bad Buffalo is. Uh, but Buffalo's 0-2, a 14-point favorite, are, are the uh, are the Cova Carolina Chickens. You've got uh, South Al heading out to UCLA. UCLA is a 15-and-a-half-point favorite. See if see if Kane Womack and that defense can keep it closer than that. Um, can Old Dominion do it again, right? You know, you and I talked about a cherry on top last week. If Old Dominion would have been able to beat ECU, they've got Virginia. Game day for Troy and App. Um, and Georgia Southern, an opportunity to solidify themselves, right, on the road at UAB. They are launched the world's largest streaming channel in over 40 oh, countries. okay. All in one go. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, ESPN. Um, heading up to uh, to UAB. And so, uh, you know, a real opportunity there for, um, for Georgia Southern to solidify what they did a week ago. Uh, if they, you know, they're a 12-point dog, if they can go to Birmingham and take care of business. 
Danny and I spoke about that earlier tonight that I asked him if this was a statement game. Did they, I mean, they have to, in my opinion, they have to follow it up and, 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 and take that game. So. And again, it's, it's going to be much harder, right. Than, um, you know, than, than that. Right. Especially because again, you know, now what's happening, right. Uh, you know, UAB is paying a little bit more attention, not a little bit more, a lot more attention. Right. So that's a big one. Uh, Monroe's got the, the giant task to face a pissed off Nick Saban. Good luck with that one. Uh, Marshall with an opportunity to crush Bowling Green's face. Bowling Green's a bad football team. They're number Charlotte one on the also, uh, bottom 10. Yeah. Charlotte is also a very bad football oh, team. Georgia, Georgia State. This is a game the Sunbelt can't lose. Georgia yeah. State cannot lose. Uh, that game is in Atlanta, so fire up your uh, your horns. Uh, Southern Miss needs to get a victory here. That they'll take care of business. Northwestern State, and can we get Will Hall an undershirt? That would be fantastic. That's and, what I hear. I I had to look. Somebody posted a picture on Twitter. I'm like, what are they talking about? Oh my goodness! Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and then you know, lastly, you've got uh, Arkansas State at Memphis. Um, you know, I'm intrigued by the Red Wolves, right? Because again, they kept it closer, you know, than the experts thought. At um, what's the spread? It's double digits. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, that's okay. I I, I, uh, I I got rid of ESPN because it was talking to us. Um, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it, it's a double digit spread. The game's in Memphis, right? Um, you know, on that one, but um, I'll get it for you here, right? Real quick, Craig. I think it's a game. I'm not sure if, if they're it's, there it's yet a, to be able to win it. It's a 14 point spread. Okay, Memphis is a 14 point favorite. Yeah, I, I'm not sure they're able to win this, but I think they're able to keep it closer than they yep. have last year. I think yep. they're an improved team. I'm just not sure how much improved. I'm with you. I, I also, I, I'm not, I don't know that I believe Memphis is a good football team either though. Well, that that's my, and that's why I asked about uh, with, with several people on old dominion going into Virginia because Virginia got beat by an Illinois team. And let's face it. When was the last time Illinois was re relevant? Yeah. Now, I mean, for me, right. The, the thing with ODU is, and I'm by no means going to pretend to be an ODU expert, Yeah. Uh, but they were plus three you know, on that Friday night at home against Virginia Tech. Uh, the offense struggled for a very good portion of, of that one. Uh, and so now all of a sudden, what, you beat an ACC team, antennas go up. Um, yep. You know, so we'll uh, we'll see, though. Hey, I mean, you know, because nobody nobody would have given App or, uh, or Georgia Southern or Marshall a fighting chance last week either. And, you know, here, here are the Sunbelt Conferences, the Sunbelt Conferences hosting game day. Uh you know, I don't know if Keith Gill's got any voice left with all the interviews he's been doing. You know, so just great publicity for the league. And, again, continue to go out and solidify uh, the Sunbelt Conference football as, as being the top group of five league in, in, in America. Absolutely. Cody, appreciate your time tonight. Tell them where they can find you on Twitter and tell them talk about your college AD website. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at Juno. Uh, of course, College AD is a uh, news and information website covering the business of college sports, take you kind of behind the scenes, how the sausage is made, um, you know, the nitty gritty of, uh, of college athletics. And that's just at College AD on Twitter. Uh, if you're interested, our collegeAD.com. So check it out. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's a uh, it's, it's, it's a it's a you'll have a good time. Yes, they've broken several stories over the last couple of years. So 
definitely good information to follow, even if it's just on Twitter. So, again, you've been listening to We're Talking tonight with Craig Malawsaw and Cody Juno. We'll catch you next time. Okay, buddy. Sounds good. See you next week. Later. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.